I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we are jumping back to the 90s again. It is 1991 and Kevin Reynolds giving us Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner, Alan Rickman, Marianne, whatever the rest of her name is, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater, Brian Blessed. Uh, and there's even a cameo from Sean Connery. And I know there's other actors I've forgotten. Um, there's a lot of people in this film. This is this was a big, big movie. So, George, what can people expect in this episode from us? Well, there's obviously we're going to be covering the delicious Alan Rickman. We're going to be talking about some dubious geography, about some that. dodgy accents. <laughs> dodgy accents. Well, we always talk about dodgy accents. Usually, they come from us. We're going to talk about that bloody song. So yeah, there's there's a lot to dive dive into uh, in terms of the production, uh, some alternative casting, and coulda woulda shoulda. You and know, we might even touch on some DVD extras at some point featuring a former Bond. But yeah, people who... That's not Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a link. Um, yeah, so if you've listened before, you know what to expect. Uh, for those who haven't listened before, quick disclaimer, George. Okay. So Retro Ramble, we are a film podcast. Uh, Charlie and I are brothers. This is all about us going back and revisiting the films that we grew up with and seeing how they hold up now. You know, uh, have they stood the test of time? What made them so great in the day? Have they been remade, rebooted, etc.? Does it have a Netflix series? So yeah, it is. It's sort of analysing these films. We're going into them in depth. So there will be spoilers from the very off. There will probably be some bad impressions but we aim to entertain. So it's a lighthearted podcast with some trivia thrown in and some opinions from yours truly. But we hope you, you know, sit back and enjoy the show. It's a nostalgia trip, baby. Yeah, and this one's a family film, but don't let that thing that's going to make us hold back on the Effin and Jeff. Because, yeah, what, there are some amazing performances. I'm looking forward to going back to this. We've got, both gone back and watched this, uh, given this a rewatch. If you haven't watched this in a while and you want to get, you know, maximum output out of this podcast, maybe give it a watch. If you watched it recently, that's fine. But I am looking forward to... Um, Letting, you know, just getting shot in the heart by Kevin Costner or Brian Adams, whichever's more reticent. Um, Both of them had amazing mullets. Um, let's let's not get down to the let's not get onto the mullets just yet. Just yet. Just there is yet. there are quite a few mullets. It was, it was the, the style at the time, <laughs> and I'm talking about the 12th century. <laughs> okay, so without further ado, uh, let's jump into it. 1991, Robin Hood: colon, Prince of Prince Thieves. Thieves. Enjoy the show. Enjoy. Time of war. A time of homecoming.
time when the only way to uphold justice was to break the law. He gave the people the courage to fight. stood for freedom became a legend. Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater, Alan Rickman, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Period piece. Galloper, 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 galloper. Not trying to be Monty Python, but in some ways, Monty Python is better than this. No, uh, in many ways. Uh, anyway, so, so George, before we jump into production chat, I think a good place to, for us to start is on the first memories because I remember that we went and saw this as a family. I'm pretty sure we did. Totally. Totally. I was, it was 11. It was, it, was, it was a big, it was a big family event uh, from what I remember. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, it's one of those few films that I remember us all going to see as a family. Like, yeah, the, I mean, obviously. The five there's, of us. There's, yeah, there's, all, was, all five of us. Yeah. And probably one of the last, I mean, it sounds a bit sad, but like, yeah, when I sort of think about, I mean, there was maybe, I think we all went and saw Jurassic Park together. But I remember mum and dad just raving on about how good Alan Rickman was. <laughs> yeah, they loved uh, it. it. It was like Panto. And looking yeah. again from t- looking and, 2021, there's a lot of it still is Panto. Yeah, and I remember dad talking about how, you know, Kevin Costner's ridiculous accent, you know, just playing it as an American. Um, but yeah, I think we we all had fun. I yeah, I remember it, the. I roughly remember the you know the TV ads. It was a big summer blockbuster. There was a lot of hype around it. Um, well, it was pretty much you know, it was that, and it was the same summer as Terminator Two. So, but if you're not going to see Terminator Two with your family, then exactly. you're going to take him to see this. It, exactly. So- and I think it's one of those things that are people of a certain age, i.e. our age, I think everyone, you know, it was that film that everyone went and saw at the cinema. And the same as, you know, Jurassic Park, everyone went and saw it. It's, it was inescapable. And, and I think that's why I say people of a certain age, there's so many lines and moments that you're so familiar with because everyone's seen this film at least once. Most of them coming from Alan Rickman, but uh, yeah, it's. I remember all of them coming, coming from, from Alan Rickman. I, uh, I I do remember that. I remember it being. Um, I don't know. I just I just know that it was a fact because I I know that we wouldn't have all gone to see it separately. I can this 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 and as you say, it was when we were when we've because we now still go to the cinema we say family events but it's just you and i dragging dad to watch star wars or, or what's, spider-man what's, what's, what's going, going on what's, what's going, going on? shut up dad you'll love i it. thought darth vader was dead <laughs> dad it's a prequel it's a prequel yeah so that's that's kind of our family outings now my mum and sister um, our, our mum and sister wise that but this had something for everything it had kevin costner and his mullet for the ladies and if you were slightly Christian younger Slater, if Christian you were slightly younger like sophia you would have yeah. christian's later so yeah it's had something for everyone 
very a sign of its time. And yes, yeah, so, I mean, this in terms of first memories, let's 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 look at the, what it was up against. George just mentioned Terminator Two. I think arguably, probably our most favorite films of all time one of the best uh, science fiction films of all time and it was out that summer i mean it didn't get to the uk until later i, I can't remember what was going on with uh, robin hood i actually would argue that they both came out the following summer if that's right george i think no i mean i i think that they they both would have come out that year in the uk probably just maybe like a month or two or could, back it then. Chris, could it have been a no it wasn't because could it have been a christmas film? no no i think we looked into it It was still a summer release so it basically came out 30 years ago in america so in in june end of june that's that's the reason why we're doing it. it's thirty year anniversary, and I I think the the UK wasn't that because it was such a big hit and it was usually the bigger hits they weren't that because of piracy they weren't that much uh, apart but I think it was still would have probably been a month or so and but and then that that obviously the, the number one US smash hit yeah and talk, speaking of number ones um, a guy who had struggled for years whose wife had, had taken up jobs so or girlfriends so that he could keep on I'm going to have a hit darling I'm going to have it did you know that about Adams Brian Adams he had he worked for like 10-15 years with a band solo artist and nothing nothing stuck and then he had this and his career was he off. not a hit before like was he he must have been fairly this wasn't his breakthrough hit like summer of 69 and no but it was his breakthrough time it was like he really it, took off it was just, his peak this was he got this movie deal off the back of that the i think it was waking up the neighbors I, i'd like to i think that's the album but he'd had something like seven or eight albums before that that did nothing so yeah. you, everyone you say brian adams everyone knows who he is and he's i think probably in many countries i don't know he's probably been knocked off that spot but he was at we're the, still i think he still the holds longest, the title it was still the holds the title in the uk UK in, in newcastle in newcastle <laughs> especially it's he's still number one still number one still number one so well done brian well done well um, done so yeah i mean that's it was a crazy time for movies the 90s we've talked about it before on this podcast this was build to be a blockbuster and going back now we've, we've just talk, been talking about our first memories, but I get the feeling this was very much designed to be that blockbuster that had all the elements and the stars, so many stars. So there's there's probably a bit we can talk about in terms of what else was going on in Hollywood at the time. So, George, how, how why and, and where did this movie come from? So let's jump back to uh, August 1989. So, so two years prior, where British uh, writer-producer Penn Densham, he had a pitch for a new take on Robin Hood. So obviously, Robin Hood is, you know, one of the classic tales. You know, everyone knows it. There's been countless reiterations from the very start of cinema. But his promise to be a new take and his elevator pitch or one-line pitch was Robin Hood a la Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he wanted to break away from that traditional account of Robin Hood as the swashbuckling hero. So, you know, most famously embodied by um, Errol Flynn in the late 1930s. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> and he wanted to uh, sort of like a, almost like a gritty reboot for the 80s and 90s. Uh, he this wanted film it is gritty. Very. So he wanted it to be, you know, I say, you know, the, uh, that traditional 
almost like the stereotypical thing that Robin Hood men in tights took the piss out of, you know, as in the tights, the peaked cap, the merry men and everything. So this was, yeah, like at the time, a gritty reboot. So they wanted it. So he was reimagining it as a hero that was a rich kid transformed into a socially conscious rebel by by his imprisonment in Jerusalem during the Crusades. So he wrote an outline with his producing partner, John Watson, not that John Watson that we know. <laughs> and they pitched it uh, to the producing company, uh, production company, Morgan Creek. So they were quite a small production company. At that time, they had only produced uh, Young Guns, future Retro Ramble oh film, God. no doubt. Classic. Uh, and baseball comedy, Major League. And apparently they saw gold on the page and immediately funded the film to get ahead of the competition because at that time there were two other Robin Hood films in production. Wow. Um, so you I may forget, remember, I forget about this. I remember there was another one. I you know there was this, two. So, yes. So there were two when this was being produced, but one fell by the wayside. So one was being made by 20th century Fox uh, starring uh, Patrick Bergen, which made it, to the screen, but mostly to the in most territories. I think in the UK and maybe some of Europe and Australia, it made it to the cinema, but everywhere else it was a TV movie with Patrick Bergen, Uma Thurman, and Jurgen Prochnow, uh, which was just called Robin Hood. You know, um, remember he was a man with the tash, Patrick Bergen. I think he was the bad guy in Sleeping with the Enemy. Oh, um, I know him. Yeah. No, towels not like this. <laughs> And the other film was by TriStar Pictures, but that fell apart, ground to a halt. But at that time, in sort of 89, 90, Morgan Creek were in a right panic, like, this is a great script. We need to get ahead of the competition. So before even they had uh, secured a star or director, they sent John Watson to um, and, and Pententium to England to scout four locations and crew. So that's how desperate they were. But it seems like they were desperate to secure a big star. They're like Morgan Creek saw this as their breakout you know, hit. So they put a, a $50 million budget against it. And they were desperate to get Kevin Costner. Because if you think about it, Kevin Costner was hot, hot, hot. Then. He's off so, the back of what? Field of Dreams and Dances with Wolves. So I'm just going to go through Kevin Costner's filmography from... Actually, I'll, I'll jump back a bit. So basically, Kevin Costner's breakout hit was a film called Fandango, and that was a, a coming-of-age comedy produced by Steven Spielberg, but it was um, written and directed by a guy called Kevin Reynolds. And they, Kevin Reynolds, the two Kevins... Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner had met, I think, at film school. And his directorial debut had helped launch Kevin Costner. Then, so Costner went on to, I think, 1987, The Untouchables and No Way Out. 1988, Bull, Bull Durham. 1989, film, Field of Dreams. 1990, Revenge, which is a great Tony Scott film. Brilliant film. Yeah. Um, 1990 as well his own uh, Dances with Wolves, which apparently, uh, which apparently Kevin Reynolds had helped uh, direct a few key scenes for. Uh, and then off the back of Dances with Wolves, he went straight into this and then had JFK lined up straight after. So he was, you know, yeah. basically 
in his the element sh- yeah. the shit he was like yeah. the number one property you know biggest actors of his time so i think kevin reynolds has openly admitted he said you know he uh, apart from fandango he had co-written red dawn he'd done a film called the beast which was i think starred jason patrick set in like um afghanistan that hadn't made any money and he said i'd done no film i'd done two films that hadn't made uh, a dime but i knew the production company wanted me because of my connections with kevin so they basically hired kevin reynolds in the bid yeah. that it would get kevin costner because apparently costner when he first saw the script turned it down but he then got he and he even uh, i think he says in the um in the behind the scenes features costner says oh um i wasn't particularly interested but when when Kevin Reynolds came on, I was like, oh, well, this actually could be something really interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's very interesting that they were, uh, that they were part and parcel. And yeah, I was very aware that, you know, he's a great actor, Kevin Costner. And I think you mentioned two of our favorites. He had that amazing year. What, what did you do the same year as No Way Out? There was No Way Out. And, and um, uh, Untouchable. Untouchables are two favorite, probably Costner films for two very different reasons. And they show, they show his range. They show what he's able to do. And then shortly after this, he would have, you know, JFK and The Bodyguard. And so it's weird that he had these roles where, I don't know, it's, I think there's, there's something about it in all of the roles he's played and the amazing actor that he's at. It's just looking back, one feeling I got from watching this was, I'm not sure he was the best choice for a, swashbuck- no. for a swashbuckling no, the, the- and they tried to go down a different route and that's my only criticism of this film is like I'm thinking about who else at that time so I'm looking forward to coulda woulda shoulda George I'm the- thinking- <laughs> it was the always thing- a Costner movie the thing is that um, Kevin Costner he's a fantastic actor he's very earnest the thing is he just he's, he's Kevin Costner in every film he's that gruff earnest determined honest sort of person it's you rarely get him playing sort of i don't know sympathetic uh shady i mean i don't know me he might be schlubby i mean oh tin tin cup that's a great film i just thought yeah. that's 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 schlubby kevin costner but he is he's very much that yeah you know, like yeah the elliot ness the the guy at field of dreams it's the guy trying to to do right and and this it is very much it is Kevin Costner playing Kevin Costner rather than being a character. <laughs> but there's so many other characters in this. It's I mean he's he's a big character and he's I mean he was at the top of his game. It's just interesting to see who he's up against. You know he's got psychic psychic Simon. He's got his um, he's got Morgan Morgan Freeman. You know who, uh, well and off the back uh, of Shawshank I'm guessing or no no so this this is three years uh, Shawshank's ninety four so this is. Wow. This is early Morgan Freeman, you know. I think it was when he was a very much a an up and coming supporting actor. So he's it wasn't physical. He's kick ass in this. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Like I think this is probably the first first film I saw Morgan Freeman, and yeah, it's amazing to think how much I think obviously since Shawshank, his career has just grown and grown that he's become a a very reliable actor, but. I think it was a bit of a, a left field choice uh, at the time. Whose who's voice do you imagine when you think of God? <laughs> it's just exactly. Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, but I think, and there's obviously there's Christian Slater. We will talk about Alan Rickman in a moment. But, you know, you're talking about this. How did we get this film? It seemed like they approached uh, Kevin Reynolds. Kevin Reynolds, it was the Kevins. Kevin, somebody else. Two, Ke- the- two Kevins, and obviously the two Kevins would go on to make the, the, the troubled uh, blockbuster Waterworld uh, in 94. 
Send money, please. Um, yeah, so uh, what else is there to discuss in terms of production chapters? Because are we going to have to talk about, I mean, there's obviously, there's the there's the geographical sites that are yeah, a so, place. Uh, where was this filmed? This is, I'm guessing. Yeah, so I've, I've got a list of locations now. Again, this is... Um, it sort of harkens back to to first memories because obviously there was a, a lot of buzz uh, from us growing up in in northeast England because they were filming in the northeast. So up near Annick. I uh, think a lot the, of it was filmed around Annick. Well, I thought there was a lot, but um, looking into it, there's um, obviously there's the infamous scene where <laughs> after four months traveling from Jerusalem to England, he says, "By nightfall, <laughs> we'll be dining with my father in Nottingham on foot, going via." A sycamore Gap, the famous tree at Hadrian's Wall. So yeah, they obviously filmed. Don't up, worry about that. Don't worry they, about that. So they obviously filmed up at Hadrian's Wall, which isn't too far from where we grew up. Um, they also filmed Marion's Manor, that's up at uh, Hume Priory, which is also in Northumberland. So I think that's Annick Way. But everything else was filmed. So there was some filming in uh, Yorkshire. So uh, Aysgarth Falls was where they did the the river fight scene. But yeah, I I had this, and it was just I thought all the castle scenes were done at Annick. No, so um, so um, Lockley Castle was Loxley Castle was in Wiltshire. Um, I think I say all the Marion stuff. That's that's in um, Northumberland, hmm. but um, I think actual Nottingham Castle. Some of it is second unit was uh, done in Carcassonne in France. Oh, there you go. Uh, and then I think the rest of it was a set at Shepparton. I think it was Shepparton. Um, so they actually, you know, that main courtyard is all replica, where the, the finale is. Yeah. I think that was that's all built at Shepparton Studios. No, um, I was just wondering for some of the panoramic shots, because there's one, it must be Carcassonne, where yeah. as you can clearly see is the side of a building. But uh, you know, I remember growing, like when it came out, someone saying, and it was, you know, I say before the internet where you could just, make up bullshit someone saying oh yeah my you know my best friend's brother's cousin um someone that we knew that owned woods up in annick was like oh yeah they've they've created sherwood forest in in annick and my mate could have totally like had that as his treehouse but they had to take it down for health and safety reasons and it was actually filmed down in buckinghamshire it was nowhere near um, but obviously we didn't know them when we were kids we just knew that some of Robin Hood, if not most of it, had been filmed up in Northumberland. So we just, yeah, took it for granted. So let's talk about the, uh, it is, they are going for a certain aesthetic with all of the costumes. Uh, There's some great costumes. Grainy. It's, it's, no, but I'm saying it looks very realistic. It's like trying to portray what Middle England must have been back then. There's a, there's a lot of attention gone into. A lot of heavy of, robes, a lot of, lot of studs. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I bereaved them, you know, I, I thought it was quite believable. I just think that uh, the action when it happens is great. There's a lot of, I, I don't know about you, I, I watched this in two sittings, I found it long, but it's an epic, it's an epic family blockbuster, so it got away with it on its opening. You can get that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> like, don't, it's long. I don't know. I don't remember it being that long, but yeah, you're right. It's something like two hours, 20, 25. And I watched it in two sittings as well because I was just like, oh, it's, it's really late and I know it's got half an hour to go, but I'm just, I just can't do it. You're waiting uh, for everything to happen. And I think they obviously had this nerves and they built up all of this, um, all of this anticipation. 
Uh, well, I mean, you've got you've got quite a big setup. So you've got the bit in Jerusalem, or should I say, Jabba's palace? <laughs> it is uh, the same set, isn't it? It is pretty pretty much the same set. <laughs> then you've got him traveling to Nottingham. You've yeah. got him. It's it's, it's ruddy Brian Blessed. I completely forgot he was in this film. Did you notice that when he charges out to the devil worshippers, he he shouts something which sounds a bit like Hawkman dive or Gordon's <laughs> alive? It is Gordon. <laughs> Oh my god, he only has two lines that he's able to say So you've got all that You've got quite a big build-up before Yeah, the story gets going So, I mean, that must be a good sort of half hour Before he pisses off the sheriff's men And is becomes, you know, a wanted man And then, because that's it It's a funny, I was thinking about this That it's an origin film But it gets through it quite quickly Whereas I was thinking about and I don't know if it's probably too early to be talking about it, but the the other more modern Robin Hood, the the Russell Russell, Russell, the Ridley, Russell, Russell, yeah, uh, Russell, uh, which is the whole the whole film is essentially an origin tale, and he doesn't properly become Robin Hood in the woods until the very end. Whereas this is a very self contained film because back then they were. It is a long film, but there there's a lot going on some of the plot doesn't really make sense it's sort of like don't really you don't not really entirely sure of what the sheriff's plan is but that doesn't really matter who's he bribing and it's it's to keep king richard away and it's all a power struggle that's all you need to know but it's a bit muddy the plot that's what i was talking about running time there's two things happening there's there's robin is hijacking and intercepting his mail and intercepting his payments that's one thing and that's a reveal and that's fun that's fun and that's some good set pieces some nice little bits of fun and jokes and what have you then there's the other side of that is what you don't realize is that he's intercepting money because he's being bribed and then there's this bit did you forget about the whole devil worshiping thing I hadn't, Pretty- forgotten, I hadn't forgotten about the witch, but I had forgotten about the whole devil worshiping. Um, I hadn't. I'd. No, I remember being it quite there being some squeamish bits when I was younger, and I met like yeah with the, the witch. The the, the oh. witch is still brilliantly. She's one of the yeah. like the, the villains are brilliant in this. You've got obviously the witch, the painted man. He hugs my dreams. She's she's brilliant. You've got uh, Michael Wincott, uh, you know cousin Guy of Gisborne, who we've talked about previously. I not I'll talk Michael, about him in a moment. Yeah. Not Michael Winslow, who I previously. You said in a podcast, he's the Motormouth Jones from uh, Police Academy. Very <laughs> different person. You've, yeah, you've got Alan Rickman uh, hamming it up to the max. You've got all the villains. You've got all the merry men. You've got Maid Marion. Uh, you've got Will Scarlet. And I think, you know, some people get sidelined. Uh, uh, sorry, is it Nazim? Azim. Azim Freeman's character, and I think you. Some people do get sidelined. I, I, and I remember this at the time. Little John doesn't really get much of a look in, does he? He, he gets, he, well, he gets well, sidelined by uh, Azim. Well, just yeah, just to talk about that for a second. What's interesting is the arcs because they all, all of the um, all of the characters have these arcs, and some of them are like feel like they've been wedged in and others not. And it's sort of like there is there's, there is the little John arc. It's sort of like, yeah, they're my merry men. Oh, no, they're your merry men because you beat me in a fight. And it's like, I've got tons of kids. I keep on getting my wife pregnant. There's Wolf. He's your one kids, of my kids. John. Your kids, John. Your kids. Got your kids, John. Um, there's that. And that's his kind of arc. Um, he goes from being like, 
sidekick to just kind of being his kids are the you know the the people in distress sort of thing and then it's the same with marion she starts off being this like hot-headed kick-ass feminist with a sword to damn save me save me because um, she can she can wail girl yeah. can wail um and yeah it's i didn't and then christian slater's arc is kind of like i hate you i hate you I hate you i love you man yeah. <laughs> save me save me uh fry tuck the guy from whose lines anyone will say michael or mike uh, double m forgetting his name um Oh uh, uh, yeah, I, I forget his name as well. But I was trying to remember what he was from, and that's it's it. Who's like, it's who's lines yeah. anyway. I want to say Mike, it's not Michael Myers or Michael Madsen or um, it'll 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 come to me. But he has an arc. His arc is that I hate the painted more, and we're not going to get on. And then they reconcile, and it's like I'm, you know. So there's all these little things going on, and Kevin Costner's on his own sort of path, sort of thing. And I don't think he, I don't know. It's weird. I have my revenge. Yeah, but all I like to say about this film is why I'm talking about all of these little arcs is I feel like they're not, it's not very cohesive. I feel like everyone's having. You could strip it down. You could strip it down. No, no, no. I just feel like everyone's having their own little story. Like Morgan Freeman's got his own little story going on and it intercedes with Friar Tuck and Robin Hood a little bit. Same with. Christian Slater's characters. Do you know what I mean? Then you've got um, one of my favourite bad guys in this is what? What do you say his name was? He's from Twenty Four. He's in um, Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott. I think Dave Gisborne is one of him. He got a completely different script to Alan Rickman, and I just I love him. I think he is like scary. He's a. Oh, I can't villain. wait for us to do because uh, obviously he's the bad guy in The Crow as well. Yeah, exactly. No, but he he is he is one of the best bad guys uh, in in film, and just so scary. And when he turns up in 24 as a good guy, I'm so it's like he turns into, I'm not spoiling anything, he turns a bit bad at some point. <laughs> really? Really? You're not spoiling anything? <laughs> not spoiling well, anything. He was a double agent, all I did not see that coming. But anyway, he turns up in 24 as a bad guy. So as a, as a good guy. It doesn't matter. Um, no, he turn, he does an amazing performance in this film. And then you've got Alan Rickman, who is in a completely different film. He is amazing. He lights up his film. But I get the feeling that we're all watching a film and Alan Rickman's in a panto on the other side of the film. Yeah. And like he's going out to a live audience and he keeps coming back and getting right in the camera's face. It's like another film. Well, it's, it's fairly well known that Alan Rickman um, said that the script was awful and he took it away and he got... Ruby Wax, who's one of his best mates, and uh, another guy, a playwright, uh, Peter Barnes, to rewrite most of his lines. And Kevin Reynolds said, that's fine. He was just like, he didn't tell the producers or the screenwriters. He was just like, yeah, just go for it. And Rickman said uh, he knew it was having an effect when, uh, but like during takes, the crew ma- members were like trying to like stop themselves from pissing themselves. Um, <laughs> and like that's it. He is he absolutely steals the show in this film. And I may as well go into it now. There's there is a long, an even longer cut of this film, and there's a, and a very interesting. A lot of uh, reference I used for my production. There was a, an Entertainment Weekly article on the film when it came out and it was always talk- it was talking about like behind the scenes troubles and you know filming in England with terrible weather and the fact the film was re-edited late in the day uh, Kevin Reynolds was locked out of the editing suite apparently because uh, well the rumor by was Kevin Co- by Kevin Costner yeah apparently <laughs> Kevin Costner what well, no the, the the yeah the rumor was that Kevin Costner was upset that Alan Rickman was stealing the film from him and in the test screenings 
like when everyone was asked who's your favorite character everyone said the sheriff of nottingham but what they actually edited out and there's a good um article on uh the film stories website and a good podcast on on film stories where a lot of the stuff they cut out is more is actually more dark stuff there's a lot more stuff about the the devil worshipping and as you say like as it stands it's it's pretty odd in a family film and kind of is like but there's it goes even like deeper so it, it hints in the the version that we all know that the witch might be the sheriff of nottingham's mother and it, oh, no, they make it clear they make no, it well in the version i watched then they make it very clear. Oh, okay. Maybe you did watch the, the the longer, darker cut, but it's it's implicit that she like swapped babies or something and it was always her son and she's spying on him from afar and stuff like that. Yeah, that was all in what I saw. Oh, so you you, you saw the the, the dark cut. I watched the extended cut. Maybe that's why I'm saying that. I didn't remember all of this devil's worshipping stuff. Yeah, I know. So, so there are like extra devil worshipping scenes in, the, in this longer cut. So I, I just watched the, the normal version, which was still like, I say, two hours 20. Um, I yeah, think, you're only yeah. talking about a couple of minutes. He has a meeting with all of the guys that he's been bribing and they're all yeah. wearing hoods and he gives them a small amount of money. I don't know if that's in the version. No, no, it's not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's about 10 extra minutes. So yeah, it wasn't, taking away alan rickman's funny stuff it was just taking away it was adding more to his backstory yeah yeah it was adding more to his backstory essentially but who's the better villain is it is it hans gruber or the sheriff of nottingham i mean they're both he is fantastic as villains i mean obviously hans gruber is more of an original creation and this is more panto but it's just he's so much fun to watch and it's probably you can tell in his career choices afterwards he's trying to shy away from the less showy less obvious roles isn't he well what i get from this is this is rickman off the leash you know it's like this is having fun it's sort of like well fuck it i'll I'll take the paycheck i may as well have a ball doing it but also it's like this is i've got to be the bad guy it's like i am the bad guy and he probably i think i think credit to him if he was saying that the script was bad beforehand obviously what happened was like well, I'm just a totally boring villain. You know, I'm just the guy. So I'm going to, I'm going to spice it up. I'm going to go nuts. And this was very thespian, but like he can, he, he can make a face. And I think what you see in Die Hard is you see a totally different side to him, but it's, um, it's more in his delivery. Yeah. And, he's, and he, he has got, well, he's got good dialogue to work with in that as well, hasn't he? Well, he's got more, I think he's got more monologues and it's more about the camera, the camera's on him and he's got to be seen as cool and suave and in Die Hard, he doesn't have a gun. Everyone else has got a gun. He doesn't need it. Words are his weapons and he's, he's, he's seen as smart. Whereas, yeah, and this is like, I just love how off the hook he is, how unhinged he is. Even, even pushing aside all the one-liners, all of the jokes, just how physical he is. I forgot how physical he is. He's like, he's everywhere he goes. He's knocking into people and he's pushing them out the way. And he's, Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's all over the place. It's and crazy. even that, it's um, that fight at the end where it's a great fight. They're throwing stuff at each other. They're, they're like chucking Very tables. Enclosed, enclosed space. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a lot of fun, that fight. I mean, the, yeah, the one thing that I, I did, I did notice in, in this film that I'd kind of forgotten that it's not really a very good family film. There's there's a lot of casual death and killings. There's a lot of like arrows to the head. Oh, my hand. Oh. Yeah. 
Just yeah. gonna blow you up. Oh, it's a but, rape scene. It's just yeah, uh, it's yeah. Gonna I'm not saying, open, was, just gonna spread her legs. The, 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 <laughs> there's there's a, a, a too much comedy rape scene for a family film. Like <laughs> like any at all is is too much. Yeah. But yeah, you've got like Robin Hood, you know, with that opening scene with um at you know uh, at Sycamore Gap or on Hadrian's Wall where he takes out Guy of Gisborne's men. He's just like firing crossbows into people's heads. I'm like. <laughs> And you know the throwing people off walls. It's there's a lot, as I say, for a family film. A lot of casual death. I was very aroused. Um, so, no, it was just, yeah, they threw everything at this. It was like, can we? Are we grainy? Are we glitzy? Are we like pretty? Are we ugly? Are we? You know, but it, at the same time, like you mentioned it in the opening, like it did remind me of the Holy Grail at times because maybe it's it's filmed on on location in in the UK, so it, everything's grey, everything's grimy, and, and everyone's <laughs> in the old like in the chamber. I was like. Yeah, and the guards and stuff. The sort of he's getting closer. Dun, 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 dun. That's all I could think of. All I could think of was the Holy Grail. I was watching this. I was like, and did and elements of this look better in the Holy Grail because it was brighter. Whereas it was grainier in this. Is like this is it trying to be serious. Whereas in the Holy Grail is like this is what a BBC um, bring out your dad historic drama looks like. Yeah, no, um, no, we're picking apart of it, but it's. No, I say there's a lot to like in this. There's some great action, some great arrow porn I've put in my notes. Like, you know, you've got the the point of view of the, you know, following the arrow, which is very 90s. But you've got the... CGI, baby, CGI. But you've also got the hero shot of, you know, him firing the arrow with the, you know, explosion background in slow-mo, the trailer shot. So, yeah, there is some really good cinematography in this. There's good arrow porn. Some great lines. Um, most of them are from from Alan Rickman, but there's so many that I just unin- like. Well, I say unintentionally funny, but they knew what they're doing. Like um, stuff that I remember us saying all to each other, like uh, amongst our friends. So whether it's the Feenies um, and the Glen Dinnings, but like God bless you, Fanny, and God bless Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> and, God, and God bless you, Fanny. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just going to start saying that to my wife. God bless you, Fanny. God bless Robin Hood. Um, but also, all is well. It's Duncan. Your Excellency, Master. Yeah, he's he's a love. He's got a lovely arc. You know, I say another character who has a beginning, a middle, and end. So, the writing. I think they. I don't know. I just. <laughs> But this film felt backy, but not because of its dedication to ve- to developing its character arcs. The only thing I think this film lacked, looking back from twenty twenty one, is probably enough to keep the audience, like today's audience, interested. Not enough action. Not enough threat. It all comes no, at no, the I, end. No, I I, th- I think there's uh, I I would I would slightly disagree. I think there's enough action in this, but the thing that surprised me most and I touched on before that it's so self-contained there's no sort of like oh well in today's cinema or TV it was like oh no we'll leave that for a sequel you know when does he when does he get the you know like a bit like the the Russell Crowe one oh when does he get you know the the Merry Men and everyone together and when does he do, when does he, do that? does he like, find his bow and he even says <laughs> yeah he even says at the end it says the end it's like that's it there's no more there's not going to be a, a Robin Hood 2 because back then a lot of films weren't built to be a franchise or like, let's just, let's make one <laughs> good film. Let's. I know, arguably, it, we live in a world of shared universes and franchises now. Or at minimum, it has to be a trilogy, doesn't it? Whereas this was back in the day when sequels were seen as uh, being derogatory. They were looked down on. It was like, yeah. they weren't seen as money makers. They were just seen as a cash-in. Whereas now, 
it's everyone's like, no, no, okay. Yeah, it's not a cash-in. It's about telling a story. Mm. So I don't know. What else would you like to discuss on this before we get to one of the best cameos in the world ever? Well, I was going to say, well, speaking of, of, of dodgy accents before we get to that, um, so apparently it's, it's fairly well known that, um, you know, Kevin Costner, I say we've, we've talked about him doing the being Kevin Costner and him being a bit ill-fitting for the role, even if he was the biggest star at the time. But apparently he was determined to uh, do it with an English accent. He hired an accent coach and everything. And it was, and Kevin Reynolds said, no, that's just going to distract people. People are used to seeing you as a star. Ah, right. So it was was directorial. Yeah. And, but I've read reviews where people say, oh, his, there are scenes where he talks in an English accent. And, I mean, he maybe softens his American accent, but I wouldn't say it's overly, like, it's not as all over the place as Russell Crowe's accent in his Robin Hood. I haven't seen that, by the way. Have you not? Uh, no, wow. no. It's not, I mean, I it's, it's just boring. People told me it was just boring. It is. I mean, you know, it's, it was a hype. Yeah, it's a reunion of Gladiator. It's Ridley Scott, it's Russell Crowe, and it's just really dull. His accent's all over the place. Um, and I say it's just, it plods along and it's just really forgettable. I'll definitely uh, check it out. Thanks for the recommendation. No, and I, have, um, I haven't even, we haven't even touched on, they made a few years ago, like a a really random reboot of Robin Hood with Taron Egerton. And it made it like look all like, what's the way? Like it made it basically like Robin Hood, but they try to make it all modern. So it had like proper sort of wire work and slow-mo and hoodies and was this guy Richie? No, no, it's it, it, it's a bit like <laughs> the guy Richie Camelot thing. It may try to make it a bit look a bit like Call of Duty, but with bow and arrows, but set in medieval times. Ben Mendelssohn as the sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, um, and well, it's but and it's supposed to be terrible. Uh, I think it's still on Netflix, but I just can't. It's one of those films that even out of morbid curiosity, I can't be asked to to dedicate you know an hour and a half, two hours to. Well, to be fair to Costner, in terms of his accent, I did. There was there's there's one time in the and you're going to think I'm giving him nothing, but he says hello. There's there's one time where he's definitely been practicing his hello. He doesn't say hi at all. I think somebody's had a word to him said um, oldie English. Nobody ever said hi. It's always got to be so. He he's he's definitely hello, Marion. So he does a few. There's a few times that oh, he's trying to do English there, but it annoyed me by the end of the film because. Um, Marion, whatever her name is. I'm sorry, she's got a double barrel. Mary Elizabeth Manstrantino, I think it is. God, it's so easy. Just rolls off the tongue. Anyway, Mary, we'll call her. Marion, even. Is it your sister, Mary? Mary. No, but she's trying. And you've got um, Friar Tuck. He's doing good. You've got, you've got uh, Morgan Freeman's obviously doing, you know, a more, my painted more friend. He's doing he's doing a completely different accent. But they're all doing so well. And Chris, Christian Slater, not the best. Um, Christian Slater? is also doing American. Who would have thought, plot twist, we are brothers. Who would have yeah, thought that, the other that's, American? That's what's really funny. It's like they both got they both got mullets and they both got American accents. Of course you were bloody brothers. Um, no, but to be fair, he he is acting and Morgan Freeman is acting. And then and there's there's times where Kevin Costner is acting, but it's like I keep going back to this, George, have we got some could have we haven't, have we? We have I, I was, 
we have, got a okay. lot. I've got a lot. So, but we'll, we have, we have, uh, we can't oh, finish our film review without one cameo. And like every, you just see, I don't know if you agree with this, but like when that scene starts happening, everyone has got their tails up, including the audience who've watched it before, because we all know who's about to turn up. And it's not only, ah, oh, relief, the king is back. King Richard lives, but it's fucking the only person who should be playing King Richard ever. It's Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> who also, I, I, it's one of um, his sort of middling sort of wilderness years pictures. So he did, uh, so um, Connery did play Robin Hood in Robin and Marion with uh, Audrey Hepburn playing Robin Hood in his later years, which I've only seen bits of. I, I need to revisit. So it is, it is a bit, a bit of, more fun than this. Um, I don't know if fun's <laughs> the right Sexy word. Fun. Sexy uh, fun. I think it's, yeah, it's obviously a knowing wink, but out of all the like sort of big f- unnecessary film cameos, well, I'm not saying unnecessary. It's it's a great cameo, isn't it? Well, it's just the fact everyone's just like looking at him and just going, it's Sean Connery. Sean and it's Connery. a nice, like, and it's a nice, nice Untouchables reunion as well. Yeah, it sounds what I was going to ask. It is, a, it is very much a reunion. <laughs> Imagine, uh, now, well, now, we need to go back to work. <laughs> well, that's, I'm wondering, was it, you know, it would be great to, I, I, I couldn't find anything on it, but it would be interesting to know if it was, you know, Costner calling in a favour. <laughs> Sean, there's a golf course nearby. <laughs> there's lots of golf courses nearby. Um, no, I think I've got, yeah, he got a quarter of a million for two days' work. I mean, I'm, a, I'm amazed that took two days. I love him. Just love him. Um, but bless him. Hats off to him. You know, rest in peace. He did donate it to charity. My God. That's, that's, that's very generous. Very generous. Um, and probably got through in a set of golf clubs as well. James Bond will return in this podcast at some stage, I fear. But um, do we do, should we do coulda, woulda, shoulda then? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on to coulda, woulda, shoulda. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George enlightens me on other actors or directors or whatever, people that were considered for the movie that would have changed things. And as I've said, as much as Kevin Costner is an amazing actor and made this film possible, I would be very interested to imagine which other actors of the time could have been considered for this role. So I haven't got actually a lot for the actor of Robin because it did seem like, I say, because Kevin Costner was so shit hot, they were just like, just get Kevin Costner, just get Kevin Costner. But let's start with Sean Connery because Sean Connery was actually first offered the role of Lord Loxley, which was obviously taken by Blessed. And, And Connery turned it down because he felt he'd, played too many father figures in recent years. So yeah. that, that kind of makes sense. Um, and he probably just didn't want to die again. He's like, I've died lots of times <laughs> recently. So, but apparently, I mean, some of these, again, it's, you know, uh, uh, a lot of them are from the IMDb trivia. So who knows if it's true, but apparently on breakfast television, Mel Gibson revealed saying he was offered the role of Robin, but he had just done Hamlet and he, which was a period film, and so he passed on it. Apparently, it was almost as long as Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Mm, so, so long made Kate Winslet weep. So, yeah, I, I think Mel Gibson is a good choice. Again, it's you know he's he's uh, an, an Australian slash American because I think 
I think Kevin Cos. Uh, sorry, I think Mel Gibson is actually, whilst he was born in Australia, I think he is technically American, or I don't know. It's, it's something weird like that. But I would have been the other. Who who are the? So, I mean, that's who was actually considered. But who could have been considered? Because um, and and who would no, have but been interestingly, hot at that sort of time. No, but interestingly, uh, Carrie Elwes was offered the role. And he, turned, and he turned it down because he thought the plot was too contrived. <laughs> um, however, he would go on, obviously, to play Robin Hood in Robin Hood Men of Tights two years later. So, so Carrie Elwes would have been fairly hot off the back of Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. And, and, and very dashing Errol Flynn, isn't it? I'm thinking he is the Errol Flynn type character. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else you could, because what was that film? Alec Oh, no, no, obviously, Alec <laughs> Bowen. Um, the other actors I'm trying to think who was hot shit around the sort of time, and didn't they? They made a film with all the shiny armor. I didn't even see it. It was just for the girls. It was Richard Gere. Was with you mean uh, f- f- First Green. Night? Yeah, so I haven't even watched that because it's just like dross. I think it has got Sean in it, though, hasn't it? Isn't it uh, King Arthur. Oh, yeah. Um, so maybe you can have to go back and watch all of Sean's films eventually. But um, I would have said, yeah, maybe Richard Gere. But what about, um, could you persuade me? Could it, could, it, could Patrick? Could uh, Patrick? Well, you, you've, you've, if, you, if you're focusing purely on mullets. So got, <laughs> That's where I'm coming from, bro. You've, you've got Patrick persuade me. <laughs> you, you've got Kurt Russell. Kurt hey. oh, the Russell. Oh, hey, now we're oh, talking. Hey, 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 hey. Let's just stop there. Nottingham. It's all in the reflexes. <laughs> I mean, I'm struggling to think of any big British actors around that time. I mean, what about I Pierce suppose Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. It's not over yet. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not finished with my coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, so Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, it would have been a good show. Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm reaching Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Dalton, put Dalton in it. He again, He's very, very again, thespian. very Errol Flynn-esque, and um, also very believable on the action side. This what is about where... Roger Moore? Roger Moore. <laughs> I may be in my early sixties, but I can still swing a sword. Well, my stuntman can swing a sword. Yeah, the, the Marion actress. She's far too old. Get me a twenty-something. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, how am I going to climb up that that treehouse? No, that is. Uh, no, no, that's. I'm um, surely Cubby. We can get a stuntman for this. Surely. Um, and then Roger, have and then have Christopher Walken as the sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! You just you're just making you're just making a view to a kill again. Okay. Cancel Christmas. <laughs> Okay. Um, so. so speaking of Sheriff of Nottingham, apparently he feels like a, a who's who of of mainly English bad guys. So apparently uh, a lot of sirs. So Sir Michael Gambon, right. Sir John Hurt, Sir, Sir Ian ben, Mc- ben, ben Kingsley. No, he's not on the list. But um, Ian McKellen, Oliver Reed, Patrick Stewart. Uh, so they were all considered for Nottingham. Uh, but apparently... The silky-voiced Sam Neill turned down the role of Sheriff of Nottingham. Wow. He would have been good. He could um, be he And uh, apparently Robin Wright, again, from Princess Bride, she was, she was cast as Marion. She announced she was pregnant with, with Sean Penn's child. So uh, Mary Elizabeth Manstrantonio was already working in London at the time. So she was basically cast four days before filming started, I think. So she was very late in the day casting. Okay. 
But should we talk about the making of with me, Pierce Brosnan? So um, little, if you're unaware, there is a special that is on one of the DVDs. Uh, not a lot of these specials make it. it I watched it on YouTube. It's, yeah. the, the full hour is all 45 minutes is on so YouTube. George, so this is a featurette, uh, basically trying to raise awareness of the film, get people excited before you've seen the film. And it was introduced by no none other than Pierce Bronholm Brosnan. So George, what is, this, what is this featurette called? So it is called Robin Hood, The Man. The myth, the legend. And has Pierce Brosnan been taking drugs before? No, uh, he is just really, really going for it, isn't it's, he? It's, it's a pre-fame Pierce Brosnan. So he's obviously doing um, Remington Steel at the time. You know, this is 1991. So it's obviously, um, he's probably still four, sore four, after. Four years prior to uh, Goldeneye. Yes, and a few years after losing out on Living Daylights because his Remington Steel contract was renewed. Um, but he is going full-on partridge. He's wearing this leather jacket. He's got these big reading glasses on. And I want to say that Partridge took the jacket from that. I mean, I, 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 it's too close. I would love to like to get... Um, Steve Coogan's thoughts on this because there's so many partridgesms in it. He's got, yeah, the big baggy leather jacket. It's the, it's the delivery. It's the way he talks really, really loud and then he whispers. <laughs> For all you partridge you, fans, check you, it out. You may know him as Robin of Loxley, Sir Robin Hood. But with tonight, with me, Pierce Brosnan, yeah, well, uh, I, I'm not. I don't even need to drop in a clip. That's just that's just oh, taking it's, me back. It's it's amazing. Um, yeah, we'll we'll share it on the blog. We'll probably drop it in at the end of this episode because you know all, all 45 minutes. Of it. It's even no no. Just just the first 30 seconds is enough to to wet your whistle. I mean, it's yeah, it's proper sort of low budget is you know they don't do it anymore like obviously in the age of of youtube social media we are just bombarded with clips and and footage con content of films but this was back in the day before the film came out and i think he even talks about it's like and at the premiere tomorrow a robin hood prince of Thieves, and it's like so it's obviously all been done to build up hype and it was obviously shown on network television you know the uh, the day before the film came this out is pre, this is pre this is pre-internet no I'm well, that's, that's how we got excited you know there was barry norman and that was where you got you know snippets of films the first glimpses you got you know and there was stuff like starlog magazine and things these, like that these days they wouldn't have a host for that because i think i can't remember what it was I don't know if it was the end of Loki or something or a quarter on, on Disney, but there was this, it cut to this like, oh, it's just, oh, it's just us all playing around behind the cameras. And they've got so much behind the scenes footage. They've got enough to do like a 10 minute montage of them all doing the same thing. Everyone from Marvel. And it's sort of like, I don't think they would do like, I don't think, would, would you get Pierce Brosnan back to do something think, on Loki? I think is that he's available. <laughs> I think that's what the world is. He hasn't got the same energy these days, but can you imagine that? Who is the man behind? <laughs> <laughs> Nordic myth, Loki. Just do um, it. Just do it. No, but like, that's it. You talked about uh, Disney. Like, I remember the Mandalorian. They did 
like a six-part behind the scenes. Oh yeah, no, it's so well organized now. You wouldn't commission because Pierce is obviously like, I, I can do this. I, I can, I can do this. Let me do this. Um, whereas I think, yeah, it just shows how far we've come. And let's talk about that for a second, because this was very much a nostalgia trip for both of us. I'm, I apologize. I, well, sorry, not sorry. I've been a bit, bit hard on this film, but I was 11. No, yeah. no. I mean, there was... Um, 12. 12. I, I, I haven't uh, mentioned there was uh, a few weeks ago, there was a, a Guardian article that came out, because I say it's been 30 years since the film came out. And the Guardian is the second time they've done this very clickbaity article. They, they did it a few weeks earlier with Shrek saying how it's aged really badly. It's a really unfunny film and it's paved the way for lots of awful films afterwards. And it's, it took this and a lot of people was backlash saying, you know, no Shrek's still a lot of fun and it was a huge hit and it hasn't aged. Shut up. You know, it, it was very refreshing at the time. And, they did the same with Robin Hood saying it was a joyless, I think it's, they called it like a joyless romp. It's like, well, you can't have, it's either, it's either a romp or it's joyless. Who who romps without joy? Exactly. (laughs) You can't romp without joy. So a lot of people went after it and said like, you know, come on, it's still, it's a pure, you know, pure clickbait article. And the article is not that scathing, actually. You know, it does pick a, apart a lot of the the obvious things that we've talked about. There, the fact that it is quite a bloated film, it is overly dark in places. I think they talk about Kevin Costner being miscast and share, you know, um, Alan Rickman doing panto. But for me, I had a ball watching it, and, and but I think a lot of it that was down to just it. I haven't watched it in probably. Over 10 years, I, I think well, it's safe to say you and I, n- neither of us owned it on DVD, which is saying a lot because you and I are completists and would buy pretty much everything. Pass. Pass. And <laughs> But I had a lot of fun watching it, probably because it had been so long, but it was mainly for nostalgia reasons. And also, let's, let's be fair to this film. If in a few years' time, uh, it's a rainy Sunday... And you want to watch a film with the kids, or let's say they're a bit older. Let's say they are eleven or twelve. Ready for some comedy rape, kids? <laughs> Ready for some family family rape? <laughs> it's called fa- no marriage, marriage right. rape. Um, ever seen a rape at a wedding? Well, this one time in Prince of Thieves. No, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a good general knowledge question. Other than that, I no, I, I'm not even sure you could watch this at any point with your children. If you go back, mummy, to the 90- mummy, what's he doing? No, he's, he's just dancing with her on the floor. Yeah, um, no, I don't know. It worked back then. This film actually did it. Did it? I mean, I was. It? Did it, would, did it make money? Did it Did it make a lot of money? I think. Yeah, no, it was, it was the second biggest hit behind T2. Behind I think it, everything I do, I do for you. The Brian Adams song video. 16, 16 <laughs> weeks at, at the number one. Still Lesson. going. Love him. Well, the, the song aside, I love the score to this. It's a proper rousing score. It's very memorable. It's by our friend Michael Kamen, who we, we usually take the piss out of because... He's a man behind Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Roadhouse, License to Kill. Very similar, very recognizable. But this is a proper orchestral score. And epic. It's epic. Uh, epic. And it's one of the things that they, they 
talk about a lot on on the Pierce Brosnan documentary. Um, <laughs> and he's Michael Kamen's like, you can tell his passions coming through. He's like, I've always wanted to do a score like this. I've always been a Robin Hood fan. And it's a proper sweeping, soaring score. And it's even like the score was reused for it became Morgan Creek, the production company's it, their yeah. their intro jingle. Yeah, their logo music. Their logo music. Um, so yeah, no, I I think that's another thing that's one of the the big strengths is it's like it's a, it's a cracking score. Well, I think we. I'm just. I think being fair, looking back, everything I said. You know, we are splitting hairs here. It's like they had the or, cast. Or arrows. They had, we're splitting arrows, feathers, uh, but they had the cast. They had the soundtrack. They had the star. They had they they invested the money in the, the mullet in the production. There, there was a, there was a, there was a very strictly enforced mullet rule for everyone apart from Morgan Freeman. No, I I, I think it was. Um, you can understand why this film was successful, and you can understand how much has changed since then. But um, saying that, there's you know. It's, Robin Hood is, you know, one of those films that no one has the rights to, so they're going to keep churning them out. A bit like, you know, there hasn't been, you know, I say there's been two fairly we're, big we're, Robin Hoods. We'll do another. We'll do another one soon. Hollywood well, that's it. Films. But you know, considering, I mean, I, you know, in all honesty, you know, uh, I've never seen the Errol Flynn, or I say I haven't seen this. I haven't seen many other Robin Hood films. This is apart from the Disney a, one with the fox. Apart from the Disney one with the fox, obviously, which I've watched again recently. <laughs> King Louis and that is it. King Louis. The, no, you've got you've got. Um, well, it does King reuse a, a, a lot, lot of, of footage. Yeah, a lot of footage the from the Jungle Book. Book. Yeah, you've got uh, Baloo the bear is is Little John. Yeah, give it a few more years, and we'll probably get another one. But it'll be interesting to see. And there's been, you know, there's been TV series. Obviously, in the '90s, there was there was uh, the Maid Marian on on British TV. That was, you know, quite big in the day. Um, and there was a Robin, a gritty Robin Hood in the in the '90s, I think, with BBC. So it is, it's, it's one of those things. He's always going to keep cropping up in popular culture. So, but for me, you know, this is, I, I say, it's probably the rose tinted, you know, nostalgia goggles on. It's still. It's still fun to go back, but I'm not going to rush back for at least another five years or so. It, it'll be a while. No, I mean, it's, it is a legend. And I think I, I've read... I, heard, I missed. I know, but I heard recently that they, it's actually... They've gone back and they've studied text and they, they say he appears like hundreds of years apart and they're like that a Robin Hood was actually, it was a term, you know, it was like, it was a term that was applied to someone who was this an is, This is all in the Pierce Brosnan documentary, Charlie. Are you sure you just weren't watching that? Yeah, Maybe geez. I've just been watching that on repeat. That's what it is. Robin Hood. Anyway, just watch the Brosnan, the Bronholm for you. You will not be disappointed. Um, is there anything else we need to cover on this film, bro? Well, we haven't, touched on suspicious spin-offs but i don't think we need to because there's so many robin hoods out there i, mean, I predict ridley scott will pick this up with uh, with aliens oh, no, but, but let's let's put it out to the listeners they're they're pretty active on on the social channels if as it's been a while since we've had a robin hood film what would you like to see who um, would you like to see? Have we just discovered I th- I think the plot Chris- of the next Fast and Furious film? <laughs> we go back in time for some reason. Go back in time to stop the sheriff from Nottingham. For Nottingham. Some I think it, it's never... I think Christian Bale would have been a good Robin Hood. Yeah. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. So many other... Yeah, Michael, I mean, Michael Fassbender. Clive Owen. Dudley Moore. 
Yeah, well, no one's my friend. I'm Clive Owen. <laughs> Not never going to be Bond. No, nobody wants me to be Bond. I would have been a really good Bond. I'm Clive Owen. Okay, that was Kevin Reynolds, Robin Hood, colon, Prince of Thieves, 991. What have we got coming up, bro? What can we talk about? What, what do people have to look forward to? Oh, we've got a few uh, irons in, in the fire, but we'll have to stay tuned. We may, may be hopefully securing a, um, a guest, another guest in the future. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. But watch this space. Um, and we might be doing some more modern stuff. Van Damme's got a new film on Netflix. I was thinking we could cover that. We will definitely be covering Van Damme in all of Retro. I think it's the, la- the Last Mercenary. Uh, yeah. That looks that looks like it could be fun. So we'll I, think, do- I think he's been given a bit of a blank check there. So I, I'd like to see I'd like to see what because he's excited about it because mm. I follow him on Instagram and he and he sends me a lot of very personal videos um, when he's not doing splits or selling merchandise. Um, yeah, he's he's super psyched, and I think I think he's he, based on the trailer. I think they've said, look, we're gonna just just do the JCVD thing. I, I get the feeling that he's been allowed to go a bit nuts. So whatever everyone's you know on the buzz on Twitter, people are kind of a few people have said, you know, us included, you know, could hopefully this could be the comeback that he he kind of you know deserves. Deserves absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, we'll cover that. There's obviously a few other things coming out. There's. Top Gun 2 is coming out later in the year, so no doubt we'll get around to covering the original Top Gun. Should we talk about Dr. Evil blasting into space in a in a rocket that's shaped like a penis? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it seems too it's, obvious. It's so, so been I'm not having a midlife crisis. What's with the cowboy hide? I am not having a midlife crisis. <laughs> okay, so, um, well, that, that's, been, that's been us. That's been Retro Ramble. Uh, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we'll see you cats next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. List and hearken, gentlemen, that be of free-born blood. I shall tell you of a good yeoman. His name was Robin Hood. Good evening, I'm Pierce Brosman. He is a legend that goes by many names. The Earl of Huntington, Robin of Loxley, Robert Fitzsooth, and Robert Hood. But to centuries of storytellers, he is simply Robin Hood. Who was this outlaw? Did he actually exist? Was he real or just a medieval myth carried on for 800 years? It is a question that scholars still debate today. And for the next hour, we will explore the myth of the hooded man. Was he fact or fiction? Tonight, we will find out.